Okay, I want to talk about uh, the parasha of Bullock, which is clearly the most disagreeable parasha in the Torah. In fact, uh, you know that it's the Chazal said that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the parasha of Bilam, of Bullock. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it, I guess. Where is, uh, I mean, did you turn on the air conditioning? <laughs> that's, that definitely works better in my house. <laughs> an hour? Okay. So Bullock, Bullock is, a, is an odd partial. I mean, Bullock, Bullock decides to act directly against God's will and sort of gets away with it. I mean, he's not punished at that time. I mean, the story of the Parsha of, uh, of Bullock is the story of Bilam doing what he wanted to do. I mean, of course, he, had a, he couldn't get out the words that he wanted to say. But the whole thing is so odd. I mean, if God wanted to say nice words about B'nai Yisrael, then why couldn't they get a more reputable prophet to do it? And why did it have to be Bilam? So let's look at the story uh, a, a little bit and remind ourselves. We'll learn some Rashi and we'll see, you know, what we make of it. Bayar Balak ben Sipor et kol asher asai Yisrael emori vayaga Moab. The Moabites were afraid because they understood that B'nai Yisrael either were powerful or were supported by powers in heaven. So they were afraid, the Moabites. So now Moab and Midian get together. Moab and Midian are two small nations and they lived in the eastern part of the Jordan, the eastern uh, uh, part of the Jordan River. Um, and so B'nai Israel coming to go into Eretz Yisrael, right, approximately where Yericho is, on the eastern side of the Jordan, were going to meet up with them. It would look like they would be, they would be in the way. Vayol Mo'av al Zibnei Midyan, Ata Yelachachu HaKahal, Kol Shrivoteinu, <laughs> so, so they, they say, look, you know, we're going to be wiped out. You know, they just sort of plow us, plow over the land, and there's going to be nothing left of us. Rashi says, that Moab got together with Midian, so Rashi says, but isn't it true that they hated each other? The Moabites and the Midianites? They, they, they were historically, they were known to fight with each other. <laughs> so this is the first great cataclysmic event of the story of Balak. And that is the peace that was made between Midian and Moab. Now everybody knows that peace is a good thing. And especially peace in Hebrew is a very good thing. Because the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. 
And the word shalom, the implications is God, divine. I mean, it's something wondrous. Shalom is something wondrous. We end Shemona Esrei with the Birkat HaShalom. HaMivarechet Amo Yisrael BaShalom Shalom. And Birkat Kohanim is also Birkat HaShalom. And here, who's making shalom? I mean, the whole story starts with the shalom between Median and Moab. Elam Yiratam Shal Yisrael Rashi. Asu shalom benehem, umara Moab litol etzam in Midian. How come the Moabites were so interested in the opinion of Midian? Kevichurit Yisrael notes him, because the Logim in Hagolam, they saw that, they, that the Jews, that Am Yisrael was winning in a non natural way. They were winning battles that they should not have won. Amrum man higam shel elu b'midyan nitkadev Dishalehem ma midato Amrulo ein kolchwal b'fif Amru af anu nabo alehem ba'adam Shikolchol b'fif So here Rashi relates to the first mystery Of the story of Moab and Midian Against B'nai Yisrael If the problem was a military problem where do they get this idea? Where do they get this idea from that they should fight against B'nai Yisrael with prophecy, with a Navi? They should find a Navi who could fight B'nai Yisrael. So they, they asked this Eitzah from Midian. Amrulo ein kochol ele That B'nai Yisrael is a na- nation of blabbermouths. They talk their way through difficult problems. This seems to be the case even today. We're going to fight B'nai Yisrael with an equal and opposite blabbermouth. Someone who talks. He can make things happen with the words. That's what uh, that's what they said. Now, if you look at the at the next pasuk, the next pasuk is Vayshlach Malachim and Bilab Ben Baor Petorah Shel in the Haredz Bnei Amolek Rolo Leimo Hinei Am Yatsam Esham Eikusat Ein Haaretz Who Yoshev Me Muli. Okay, so they went to Bilam. And they started telling him the story. Right? They started uh, telling him the story. Now, in that Pasuk, in that Pasuk, it says, El Bilam Bebo Petorah, Shaladar, Eretz Bnei Amo Likrolo. Eretz Bnei Amo Likrolo. Whatever that means. You have to understand that sometimes words, I, I've always mentioned this, that sometimes you understand the words, but you don't know what it's saying. Eretz B'nei Amo. Now look what Rashi says. Eretz B'nei Amo Shel Balak. That Bil'am came from the Eretz B'nei Amo of Balak. Misham Hayam. So he told Balak, one of the prophecies that he told Balak was that he's going to He's going to be king, and since he's going to be king, he was very happy about that. Now listen to Rashi. You see the Rashi, Eretz B'nei Amo? It's the third line in the Rashi. Rashi sneaks it in. The great philosophical question, or the great theological question. Rashi says, 
you have it. I mean, there's no answer to this question. I mean, after all, we see prophecy as being a, a, a gift. Prophecy is charisma. It's a gift from heaven. It's not something. I mean, you could argue about the Rabbin. The Rabbin was Sodiat Terra in the seventh parrot, where the person makes himself into a prophet by being, by excelling. Or whether excelling is not enough, but eventually a Godish has to bestow upon you prophecy. So assuming that, and it seems likely from all the stories in the Tanakh that God bestows prophecy upon man slash woman, in this case women are equally uh, uh, the objects of the prophetic gift. But however the however we are going to explain that, you know, we explain it. But there's no difference between men and women as far as receiving prophecy is concerned or judging according to the prof- to the prophetic gift that they have. No difference between men. There's no difference between men and women. But here, Rashi says, I mean, what were the prerequisites? How did Bilam become a Navi? I mean, he, 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 there's no Navi that, that fits into his category, or the category of Bilam. It's inconceivable that Bilam would be a Navi. We didn't know that he was a Navi. Nobody would pick that answer in the short answer question, and the short answer quiz. I mean, Bilam is A, you know, A, Rasha, B, short, C, fat, D, prophet. Who would pick prophet? Nobody. No, if he didn't know that he was a prophet, because he is, according to Rashi, Goy Rasha. And he gives an answer. Now, the answer is found in the Vengeance, but it's interesting that Rashi is creating the story for us. In order that the nations of the world should not be able to say, Why are we, why are we Pushtakim? Because we have no connection to anybody of significance. If we had a Navi, so we would be uh, serious people. That's what, that's what Rashi says. And therefore, So God said, okay, here's a prophet, we'll see how you do. And they broke down the fence that ensured the existence of the world. That's the Geder Olam. The fence of the world. Of forever. And what was the fence of forever? At the beginning, the nations of the world, you know, did not participate in illicit sexual adventures. They knew that it was forbidden. They knew they couldn't do that. Zeh, zeh, that's Bilam. Natan lahem eitzah, lafkir atzmam liznut, that they should, they should just become all, all prostitutes. Who should become prostitutes? Who? Not B'nai Yisrael. What? The Moabite, or the Midianite. Women. Right? In other words, that was what Bilam did. Bilam destroyed their society 
He almost destroyed our society also. But before he destroyed our society, he destroyed their society because he said, look, this is a great idea. So he had Rashi. Rashi sneaks it in. He says, on the one hand, Bilam was a trusted Navi because he told Bolak that he was going to be king. And everybody likes to hear that. Even though Bolak wasn't the king yet, but he knew from Bilam that he would become the king. Right now, it was just Bolak ben Sipo. But he was beginning to become Bolak Melech uh, 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 Moab. That's what he was. Question? How did he get there? How did he get to be a Navi? Because there's no place that there's an insinuation that Bolak, that Bilam was a false prophet, a lying prophet, an unacceptable prophet, a fake prophet. There's nothing in the Chumash that, that, that would indicate any of these things. So the answer is, he was a real prophet. God gave him prophecy in order that the, the nations of the world should not be able to say that if they would have had leadership, if they had direction, if they had prophecy, they would have turned out better than they turned out. But in fact, under the aegis of the prophet, Bilam, they turned out worse than you could imagine because Bilam destroyed the society from which he came. Right? He destroyed the society from which he came. Now let's continue. The story, they tell the story, etc., etc. And then, at the end, the last Pasuk, Pasuk Yudbet, in this, in this section, no, I'm sorry. Pasuk Yud. Balaam is telling God the story as though, I mean, you can see that there's a little lacking in his prophetic uh, sensitivity. He's telling uh, God the story as though God was out to lunch someplace. So he's going to, that's all, so, I mean, no. That's what he came to say. You know, he's talking to God like, like he just met God, Abdel, in the barbershop. And he's telling him like the latest news. The latest news that this is what's happening. Don't go with them. Do not curse them because they are Baruchim. Rashi, you see the last Rashi on the page? Lote Lechimahem. Amalo in Kena Kalalem Vidkovizu. Bilam says, okay, I won't go. I'll curse them right here where I'm standing. I won't go. Because Bilam was a trick. Bilam said, I have to only listen to the literal. Demand. I don't have to imply anything. When God says Lo so any reasonable person would say that means you're you're going you're barking up the wrong track. He says, No, no, I'm not barking up. The, I, I understand. I shouldn't go, but I'll curse them from here long distance. I'll get a I get a uh, Skype connection. Curse them. Amalo Amalo Lo So God's clarifies and says Lo Amarlo, im kein So then Bilam says, "Okay, I'll give them a bracha." Amarlo, einam tzrichim lebirchatecha. They don't need your bracha. Kibaruchu. So, like, this is uh, an interesting idea. What do you mean? I'll give them a bracha. I mean, Rashi's telling us the story behind the story. Here's Bilam. Bilam is wants to get paid for cursing the Jews 
and that cursing is going to be paid for by Bullock and Tikhnei Yam. And he says, he says to God, okay, I'll give them a bracha. What do you mean I'll give them a bracha? How does that fit into the plan? And then God says, it says, Amalo einam tzrichim lebirchatech. Amalo, what's so terrible? Like if, if in fact Bilam wants to bless them, right where he is, stand. So, so, so bless them. Mayesh. Is that a bad thing? The Gemara says, Alti birkas hedyot kalo be'enecha. What's a birkas hedyot? A regular person. Not a Kohen, not a Kohen Godo, not a Novi. But it doesn't mean, but if a Novi is willing to give me a bracha, it's not a bad thing. So, what does this mean? I mean, if I take this piece of, 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 of Medrash and Rashi seriously, that's how Rashi explains the possum. This is how we leave this, this section. Don't think that you, you surely can't go. And don't give them a bracha because they already have all the brachas they need. Besides, which we know that's not true because when Bilam came, finally came to where he came, he did give brachas to B'nai Yisrael. So this idea that God says to Bilam at this juncture of the story, don't give them any brachas, demands further explanation. Now we're up to the second, the second part of the story that I want to look at. The second part of the story, of course, is the story of the trip that Bilam took, you know, on his famous, on his famous ass. I mean, this is a, a passage that is hard to understand. I mean, why, why was it that heaven changed its position? Why is that first HaKadosh Baruch said, don't go? And then HaKadosh Baruch said, okay, you can go. It's a mystery. Rashi explains it as it is. Rashi says, look at the Rashi again, in the Krolicha, in a Kriyashilcha, right, if, if they're calling to you, you think that you're going to make some money on this deal, in, in, in other words, if you, Bilam, are willing to disconnect yourself from God's will in order to make money, you can go make money. The Ach, the Pesach says, you should know, against your will, in other words, a Navi cannot decide when he's going to be listening to God's word and when he's not going to listen to God's word. In spite of that, he went with them. 
Those words are uh, devastating. Bilam said, Shema Afatenu. Who is that? Shema Ani Atzliach Lefatot Et. Can you hear How could that be? How could you write it in the Chumash? How can you write in the Chumash that a Novi comes and says, maybe I will. Uh, I will convince God that he should that God should act against God's will. I mean it's 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 an amazing thing to say by Yokum Bilov Baboka Vikavoshatono Bayatum Sare Moab Bayika Afelokim Kiholechu and so God got angry. It was God thought that by saying, Okay, you want to go, but uh, you're gonna have to do what I say. So you think any reasonable prophet would say, oh, never mind. <laughs> No, no, Bilal was not that kind of prophet. He wanted to make the money. So he went. But the Prophet says, He should be. I mean, we haven't got time, but you know that Yonah Hanavi, Yonah Navi, when was filled with anger because his prophecy was fulfilled. Right? He said to the people of Nineveh, O Shlo Right? In some period of time, Nineveh Nefachet. Which meant that if they do tshuva, Nineveh will escape. And they did tshuva. And then the reaction of, 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 uh, of uh, the Nabi was unhappiness. And the word that's used for unhappiness is Vayicha. He was unhappy. And then God showed him something with the kikayon. You remember the kikayon? The tree. The tree died. And then he was unhappy. He again was unhappy. Here, there's a break in the chain of prophecy. It's not saying they didn't do anything below. But he denied the prophecy within him. He knew that he had to listen to God, or that God was in charge of the world. And he went in any event. So here you see, here you see that even though Bilam was hired, if you go back to the first page, Pasukva. When you give a bracha, the bracha will be fulfilled. When you give a klala, the klala will be fulfilled. But what was it that they did not say to Bilam? They didn't say to Bilam, we know you see things better than we do. Right, the word, the verb vaya starts the parsha 
words, that's a kind of implication. But really, on the level of prophecy, who is the one who sees? Who is the one who sees? Well, that's the Atom. Pasukha Bet. Vatera Ha'atom. Rashi says, He belonged. He was a prophet. Now, there are verbs that are used to describe prophecy. But one of them is, to see. You see your prophecy. A prophet sees. But here, Bilam didn't see. Who saw? The Atom. At Malach Hashem so Bilam is reduced Bilam in this story is reduced to some a level lower than the Atom he's like with the Atom but the quality of prophecy is given to the Atom the Atom sees something that Bilam can't see not only can Bilam not see it but Bilam can't, doesn't even realize that he should trust the Atom that the Aton is saving his life. He doesn't even know that. And he beats the Aton. Pasukhav Dalit. Vayabod Malach Hashem Vishol Akrabim Gader Mizeh V'Gader Mizeh Vatera Aton Malach Hashem V'Delechetz Lakim V'Techatz V'Gader Bilab Lakim V'Yosef Lakata. So the second part story. Vayosef Malach Pasuk Mavav Vayosef Malach Hashem Avon Three times. The Aton sees, Bilam reacts badly. Bilam is the, he's the donkey, and the donkey is the prophet. I mean, you don't have to be Shakespeare to understand that this is a kind of a a story that precedes a story. Right? You don't have to, don't be that clever. Here is the story that precedes the story that, that Bilaam is going. He's stripped of prophecy. Prophecy is given over to the Aton, which is I mean, something that a Kodesh Prophet would certainly do. What happened? Pasukav ket bayom bilam la aton kitalat me. Lo yeshcher biyadik yadar akticha. But I doesn't assume for a minute that even though the aton is speaking. So the Aton has two qualities of prophecy. He sees and he speaks. Right? He speaks the message. He says to Bilam, as I know that you can't see, but you should at least be able to understand that I can see. Which might be, in terms of Pshat, there's a secret message that HaKadosh Baruch was saying to Bilam, prophecy... In as far as prophecy works, I mean, it has to be, there have to be people who think you're a prophet. If no one thinks you're a prophet, then there's no prophecy. It's like prophecy in the primeval forest, which I guess is not such a big deal. I guess. So the Atom 
the Atom is saying to, to Bilam, listen, look at me talking. Don't you think that that's something? Shouldn't you notice it? What does Bilam say? Look at the, the order of the Psukim. God opened up the mouth of the what is Bilab? He doesn't say, hey, gee, a talking donkey. This is Disneyland. No, he doesn't say this. Oh, of course, why should the donkey talk? I'll talk back to the donkey. So who's the donkey in the story? But you see, you see the donkey has usurped Re'iyah and Dibor. Right? The, the donkey sees better than Bilam and sounds better than Bilam. He talks about something like Yan. He says to him, I know what's happening. You don't know what's happening. So, I mean, Bilam should get the message. I mean, you can see it's all a message from a Kodesh Bokhul. That going was, was a lesson. I want to show you, Bilam, that you shouldn't go. But since you think you should go, you're going to have to learn, learn along the way that you have been stripped of your prophecy. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm your good old faithful uh, donkey. What do you mean I'm your good old faithful donkey? I mean, you have to have a little seicha. And they're saying, you have to say, well, my donkey do this to me, but see something happening. Same way you have to say, when I do this to God, can I go and I make a prophecy against God's will? Oh, I must be, there's nothing wrong. Pasuk Lamerameth. Vayegal Hashem et Einei Bilam Vayag Malach Hashem Nitzah Badeh Mechavosh Lufa Biyado Vayikod Vayishtachavu Le'apach. In case he didn't understand, now he sees that the words of the Aton are certainly prophecy, because the same words come from the Malach Hashem. They come from the angel of God, the same exact words of the certainly prophecy. So here again we have to say to ourselves Bilam should understand by now that he's going in the wrong direction. Where does he get the power and the strength from to continue? In order to explain that I have to Read, uh, say, uh, we have to read another pasuk. This picture that was originally uh, drawn by Rembrandt is not exactly part of the shear, but it's really it's a uh, it's a like, fantastic picture. You know, it's like uh, I mean, after I mean, he didn't have the benefit of uh, of digital cameras and and uh, you know these kind of programs that make everything move around and you have the, the, 
the feeling, you look at this picture, that something exciting is happening. And you have to look very carefully at the clothes that they're wearing and the things that they're doing and the, the moments that he chose to paint together. And then and the, uh, see, he divides up there's the Malach and there's the Sata. You see in the picture? I mean, I just saw this picture. This, not, this has nothing to do with me. This was a gift. I also perceived it as a gift. But I just happened to know about the picture. It's all, it's all a very interesting picture. Let's go back to the Psukim. The two Psukim left. One Pasuk is at the end of our Pasha. The Pasuk said, the end of Pasha Bolak, Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim, Vayachel Ha'am is noted the note Moab. The people were in this place, and they began to have relations with the daughters of Moab. That's what the Pasuk said. And you know, from that, there's a whole calamity. The story of Pinchas emerges, and the, uh, uh, even the Nisim were involved, and there was idolatry, it was rampant. It, it, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. What does Rashi say? But she thinks is noted Benod Moab Al Yedei Atzat Bil Ab Kedeita Becheger. Kedeita Becheger means in the Gemara Sanhedrin at the end of the Gemara Sanhedrin. That's what the Gemara says. Even though in the Torah there is no remez, there's no hint that Bilam was a, was uh, the one who gave this advice. But the Gemara says so, and Rashi says. So. And, and Rashi says it because according to Rashi there is no other possibility there's no other possibility other than Bilam being the one who gave this advice to Moab at the end of the Sefer of Bamidbar Peraglam and Alipot and the Pesach Ted Zion Hein heina ayu levnei Yisrael bedvar Bilam limsor ma'al ba'ashem al devar pa'or so when the Torah tells us about the trips that B'nai Israel made in the Midbar, it also mentions Bil'am. So that this idea that Bil'am was responsible for what happened in Pa'or, is repeated in the Torah later on. Even though it doesn't say exactly what his responsibility was. So I would like to try to explain <coughs> Bilam's thinking, and I would like to explain how it was possible that Bilam thought he could get away with it. And the answer, was, and the answer is, to my mind, that Bilam thought that he could get away with it because in fact he did get away with it. HaKadosh Baruch says to Bilam HaKadosh Baruch says to Bilam you will only be able to say what I put in your mouth you will only be able to say the words that HaKadosh Baruch puts into your mouth so you know the story he went to one place and he said things that were nice about B'nai Yisrael and then Balak said let's go to another place let's go to a third place and in every place that he went, he Bilam, the same result happened. He blessed B'nai Yisrael in a way that was so significant 
that it became part of the Torah. It's not Bilam talking, but it's a Baruch Hu talking through Bilam's mouth. Now Bilam, in my opinion, understood very well that that was going to happen. How did Bilam understand that that was going to happen? God told him. God said, "Listen, anything, whatever you say, will be what I put into your mouth. The prophet." Or the prophecy that you will bring into the world is the prophecy that HaKadosh Baruch wants you to bring into the world. There is no, there's no other possibility. There's no other choice. So Bilam went with Balak knowing, knowing that he would not be able to succeed in doing what, what Balak wanted him to do, which was to curse the people. He would not be able to curse the people. Bilam went anyway. Why did Bilam go anyway? Because Bilam understood. Bilam understood two things. One was that B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael hearing the words of Bilam, hearing Bilam say again and again how good they were, how their future is ensured, how the messianic process is taking place, how the Beit HaMikdash is being built, how Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov, they, B'nai Yisrael, would certainly have confidence in the prophecy of Bilam. You see, the prophecy of Bilam did not work, the prophecies of Bilam did not work to produce a curse for B'nai Yisrael. But it did work to produce confidence that B'nai Yisrael had that Bilaam was, was the right person to listen to. That you should follow Bilaam. That, 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 that he had prophetic qualities that only perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu had. Only Moshe Rabbeinu could be compared to Bilaam. You know Moshe Rabbeinu is not in this parasha. Bilaam, Bilaam was the first Navi the first Navi who rivaled Moshe Rabbeinu. And you know the Chazal say that Bilam was a greater prophet than Moshe Rabbeinu. I don't know what greater means. But that he had within him prophecy that could not be denied. I mean, we read it. We read the prophecy. We take out the name Bilam and, and Balak. And, and you just listen to the words. They're, they're wondrous words. Wonderful prophecies. Certainly B'nai Yisrael standing and listening to Bilam saying these wonderful things about them, but insightful things, understanding things. Certainly B'nai Yisrael would, uh, would be impressed. Uh, Bilam, Bilam, what a wonderful, what a wonderful prophet. What a wonderful person. So Bilam suddenly became he suddenly became esteemed. He was, he was the prophet of the Gentiles. He was the prophet of the Gentiles who knew about B'nai Yisrael. Who understood about B'nai Yisrael. And Rav Nosson says, so, Sir Rav Nosson, Rav Nosson says that at this point, when you have confidence, 
when you look to the prophecy of Bilam as being of great significance, at that time, you can argue very strange arguments. You can argue, ah, you have a chance for integration. You have a chance using Bilam as the leader to bring into the camp Moab and Midian. They'll also become part of Am Yisrael. They will also become part of the world that we live in. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to make a compromise with an Abedu. A temporary compromise. Not something permanent. You have to do something that shows we're all very friendly with each other. And that was Bilam's idea. Where is Bilam's idea? Bill was the first one ever heard about men and women. He wasn't the first one. The first one ever heard about Abeya? He wasn't the first one ever heard about Abeya. But sometimes, when you think very highly of yourself, when you think that, that, that you're so deeply admired in, in Torah, the Torah values, nothing can bother you. You can go anywhere. You can live anywhere. You can do anything. It doesn't make, make any difference. Because your attachment to the values of the Torah is so strong that nothing can ever shake you. And that's what Bilam, that's what Bilam did to B'nai Yisrael. When Chazal say that Bilam was a greater prophet than Moshe Rabbeinu, it seems to me that what they're saying is that at that moment, at that moment, for B'nai Yisrael, I mean, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say prophecy like that until maybe Hazinu, until the end of the Torah, but this, these prophecies that lauded B'nai Yisrael, lauded their past, that lauded their future, lauded what they would be, that's only Bilam. Bilam was the great prophet for B'nai Yisrael. And B'nai Yisrael could only look upon him with, with great respect for his understanding, for his prophecy. But he, Bilam, had a plan he had a plan because that's what Bullock wanted him to do. Bullock didn't care how the Jewish people would be destroyed. He made a suggestion. He said, I hear Bullock, you're like a good at cursing. So curse them. But Bullock understood. He understood. It's not an option. That's what God said to him. God said to him, you're not going to be able to curse. You're not even going to be able to give a blessing. But Bullock said, what happens if I'm received as a kind of messianic personality? What happens if I'm received as the person who sees things better, who really understands? And you know that this was always a problem. It's always a problem. Uh, a transgression for a mitzvah. Like you can convince people in history, in any event, people have been convinced that sometimes you do something wrong, but it's for a good cause. And the good cause is so good that what difference does it make if you do something wrong? That's the that's the Bilam, that's the Bilam position. A mitzvah, What's the mitzvah? Incorporating other nations. Bringing other nations. We know that Moab and Midian were special in the history of nations. 
And Bilam said to Bnei Yisrael, this is how we'll do it. We'll make believe that we're joining them in their idolatrous way. But they, in turn, will be convinced that our way is better, our way, the way of, of Am Yisrael. And so, the floodgates were opened for both sides. The Midianites, the Moabites, and the Israelis, the people of Israel, joined together in this tremendous attempt to do each other in. And Bilam almost succeeded. If not for Pinchas and the Kanoim Togimbo of Pinchas, who knows what would have happened. So that the story of Bilam going to do the bidding of Balak is not the story of a madman who for some reason was a prophet who felt that he could outwit God in the prophecies not that story at all Bilam knew he couldn't outwit God and he knew that whatever he said would be directed by God and that whatever he would say would be, would be a bracha a blessing for B'nai Yisrael but he also thought that in this way he would become he would become exalted by the nation respected by the people he would even be able for a moment to push away Moshe Rabbeinu this doesn't exist in the parsha of Bolok that's what Bilam thought and Bilam came that close to being successful very close and so you see the story of Bolok the story of Bilam is not the story of total failure it's the story of near success it's the story of near success and it's the story of how B'nai Yisrael once again now I think to myself sometimes you know that in, in the Devarim the Torah promises us that there'll be prophets. There'll be prophets who come and bring the word of God to B'day Yisrael. And then the Torah said, but you know, don't listen to those prophets unless they tell you to do what the Torah says. It's a little bit odd that if they tell you what the Torah says, why do you, why do you need prophets? I mean, we have the Torah. Why do you need prophets? Okay, so it's, a, it's a question. But what is it that we were afraid of? What was it in our history that said prophecy is so dangerous? Ah, that's the story of Bilam. Bilam was a true prophet, and he blessed the people of Israel truly. But in his heart, his interest in getting the money was so great that he was prepared, according to Chazal, to devastate the non Jews and the Jews at the same time the non-Jews until Bilam came along were serious about their commitment to a proper kind of sexual behavior the Jews of course until Bilam came along I mean there are many different stories about excellence in their sexual behavior Lord came Bilam and he destroyed everything and what he said to B'nai Yisrael and he said to the Moabites was peace together everybody will be happy it will be a new world and it was Pinchas who saved us 
from that new world. And that's where the re-entry of Moshe Rabbeinu into the stories of the Torah takes place because Pinchas received direction from Moshe Rabbeinu at the very end, at the very end of our parsha. So it seems to me that Bilam had a plan. It was thought out. He knew what he was doing. He was almost successful. In spite of the fact that the words that Bilam said were the words of God, and his prophet, he couldn't see, and he couldn't speak, and he didn't know. But as a person, he remained devious, uh, able to deal with magic, and undermine, undermine the future, uh, almost undermine the future of Jewish history. Have a good shot. Next week, there's no shift. Because... Uh, what, what would he step in with? He couldn't argue against the prophecy. The prophecy agreed with him. Sure, sometimes you haven't got an argument. Even when you're right. You say, oh, he's no good. But what about what he says? Yeah, that's very good. How do you do that?